Dotnet Rocks episode 873 with guest Derek Whitaker. Recorded live Thursday, May 16th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. And by Franklin's.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And by Diatom, developers of the .NET Rocks mobile app, available now for Windows Phone, iPhone, and Android phones. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard, and we're here again, as we are twice a week. Hey, buddy. And you know, if you're listening to our archives, we're here a whole lot more than that. What's up? <laughs> uh, I'm in Romania. What are you doing there? I'm doing an architectural clinic, and I'm going to a code camp. Tim Huckabee's meeting up with me, and Stacy's flying out, too. We're going to have a few days on the weekend to uh, explore a little of northern Romania. It'll be fun. Wow, that's great. You're going to take pictures and share them with us? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not the picture taker these days, but uh, I'll see what I can do. You know, Stacy's pretty good about that, so maybe we'll let her do that. Yeah. Let's put, we'll post a picture of you at, with the user group anyway. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it's always fun. Lots of fans of the show out here, actually. I met a bunch of them. I just came back from a dinner uh, with uh, several fans of the show. That's awesome. Yeah, I met them. I met a few of the fans when we went to, last time we were in Bulgaria. They came yeah, to uh, DevReach. We're going back to first week of uh, October. DevReach, October 1 2. We'll be there. Going to be awesome. And uh, I'm getting geared up here because as we're recording this, it's only four days or so until uh, Mr. Schofield comes to Pwop Studios for a recording Ooh, session. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's the nicest guy. He is the nicest I'm guy. I'm really glad we met him. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, insanely hip. All right, man. Here's Better Know a Framework. <laughs> Hit me. What do you got? So today I found a highly rated video at Channel 9 from Mix 11. It's Elijah Manor pointing out some of the common mistakes that C-sharp developers make when they write JavaScript. And uh, uh, you know, Interesting. There's, yeah, there's, and this is at tinyurl.com slash manorjs, M-A-N-O-R-J-S. And... You know, the most C-sharp programmers I know who've, you know, been doing .NET for the last 20 years or whatever, they, you know, JavaScript has been sort of a necessary evil. And now it's sort of taking center stage and we're, we're, we're applying all of our C-sharp know-how to JavaScript and that's not necessarily a good thing. So this video is highly rated and uh, I, I highly suggest you watch it. And if you miss Elijah Manor and you want to see him in action, you can see him at Dev Intersection in October last week, the 27th to the 30th of October. Elijah will be part of Angle Brackets with Scott Hanselman and Scott Guthrie, all the good guys. And that's in Las Vegas. Where are we having it this year? MGM Grand, my friend. You've been there. You know it. You love it. What a great place. So you can go to anglebrackets.org or devintersection.com. And if you sign up for the show package, which includes uh, pre-con and the main conference, you get yourself a Surface or a Nexus 7. Hey, Richard, isn't there right. some kind of promotional code you can, if you mention you heard it on our show? Yeah, for sure. If, when you sign up, if you put in the promotional code .rocks, you get $50 off your registration. And is that D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S? 
There's no other way. All right. Fantastic. Hey, you know, I would ask you who's talking to us, but uh, the letter actually came to me, a hard copy. And uh, I got a box wow. yesterday by uh, with a letter I have right here from Mr. Ron Black. Why don't you read it? You bet. So like I said, from Ron Black. He says, hi, Carl and Richard. I'm a longtime listener. And I know every email and letter begins with telling you what a great podcast you have. I've decided to one-up everyone and send you a literal round of applause for a job well done. And we should pause and explain what he means by a literal round of applause. There are four sort of plastic hand clappers. They look like hands, and they have something that when you basically you shake them, they make a round of applause sound. It's kind of fun. Very clappy. Yeah, very clappy. Seriously, though, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think you guys have one of the best, which is a tribute not only to YouTube, but to your guests and excellent staff. I hope you'll find this gift useful to augment the, quote, golf clap for fan club winners. If not, I hope it's at least as good for a chuckle. Thanks again for all the great podcasts, and that's from Ron Black. Well, Ron, I do believe we'll be using the golf clappers for the golf clap for all of our fan club winners from now on. So thank you very much. And it was also good for a chuckle. So a (laughs) .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online, hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by industry experts. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial with 200 minutes of access to their library. They have a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including extensive Windows 8 coverage. Pluralsight has coverage of HTML5 and CSS3 development topics, too. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let me introduce our guest. Welcome back to the show, Derek Whitaker. Derek is a software architect who specializes in all things .NET. He's been building enterprise systems on top of the .NET technology stack for over 12 years, and along the way has picked up a thing or two about how to create killer systems. During his 12-year career, Derek has worked in many different industries, ranging from marketing, healthcare, retail, insurance, automotive, and online entertainment. Currently, Derek is working for a technology startup, vstrader.com, in Raleigh, North Carolina, helping them build a killer technology solution, which will enable coaches to better train their athletes. Welcome back, Derek. Thanks for, thanks for having me, guys. Well, thanks for being here. So you've learned a thing or two in your last 12 years. <laughs> I, would, I would like to think so. Uh, my wife may say otherwise, but I'd like to think so. That's awesome. So <laughs> Our wives are never that impressed with us. I think that's all a mutual thing all the way around. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So you've been doing some work sort of bridging that XAML HTML gap we hear. I did. I made the jump. Um, I was doing nothing but XAML for the better part of three years, and when Microsoft finally officially killed XAML, or fill, killed Silverlight, excuse me, I realized that it was time for me to do something different. I'd love to do Windows 8 application development for a living, but not a lot of that going around just yet. So I had to make the jump, and made the jump about a year ago after kind of avoiding it, kind of like the plague for the longest time. Right. And, and I got to say, uh, it's been fun. It's more entertaining. It's more enjoyable. And I'm learning stuff every single day. 
And uh, are you now, one of these? Wait a second. What's official about Microsoft killing Silverlight? That they're not supporting it anymore. I thought they said they guaranteed 10 years of support for Silverlight. Well, sure. 10 years of support means bug fixes, no new features. means no more right. Silverlight 6. Silverlight 5 is effectively it. Um, I kind of took it that it's dead when they don't support it on their Windows 8 platform, at least in the Metro side. Or the modern UI side, excuse me. Well, I think there's a way to, way to say this that sort of puts it into perspective, which is everybody thought Silverlight was going to be the ticket to writing on every platform, right? Because that's sort of the way it was built. Runs on the Mac, runs on the PC. We just naturally assumed that, you know, when phones came around, that it was going to run on phones, too, and that they were going to support it everywhere. And that turned out not to be the case. So, it, it, you, well, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, the... WinPhone 7 used sort of a version of Silverlight, but then they yanked that in WinPhone 8. Exactly. Yeah. And some would so say... That, you know, that's the big thing is that they've actually, you know, you're right. There's, the only way to run Silverlight in Windows 8 is on the desktop mode. It won't run in, in the, uh, the quote. I'm going to call it Metro mode because I don't work for Microsoft and I have to follow the rules. Exactly. And, uh, I like that so much and better. And they don't support it at all in Phone 8. And, you know, you can think of Metro or Windows RT as Silverlight.next, but it, it doesn't have the, the appeal because it's pigeonholed. You know, it's only on that hardware platform. But XAML, uh, you know, lives on. Yes, it does. Yeah. And you can take your skills, and I was able to take my Silverlight skills and move them directly to Windows RT. It just works, right? I mean, mm -hmm. minus a few library differences, it just works. So that's awesome. But let's be let's be honest. For for better or for worse, HTML is one. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's the one language, one runtime, if you will, the JavaScript runtime in particular, that it runs everywhere on the client, on the server, in the you know, on a phone, in the browser. It just works now. So, are you one of these guys like Elijah was talking about, a C sharp developer who had trouble, you know, doing JavaScript the right way? I did, and it's funny you brought up Elijah's video because I wrote that down as I'm right, go back and watch it to see if there's something else I can pick mm -hmm. up because, you know, it's, it scared me to learn JavaScript for years, mm. right? I just didn't want to deal with it. It wasn't the dynamic nature. It was, it's just different, right? C sharp is just comfortable and I understand how it works. Yeah. JavaScript is just different. Um, although I'll say with TypeScript coming out, that has made life so much easier. Yeah. Right. I can write for C -sharp a C sharp developer. For a C sharp developer. Yes. And, I've done presentations on on TypeScript to JavaScript developers, and when they look at the simplicity of it, they love it. Yeah, right. It it reduces <laughs> the ceremony of JavaScript. I mean, there's a lot of ceremony in JavaScript sometimes. Um, TypeScript removes a lot of that. It adds friction in other places, mind you, but uh, it, it's it's helpful for C sharp developers making that leap. Yeah, indeed. Just to have some sense of strong typing. It does. It's also good to be able to turn that off when you want to. Right. Yeah, I guess that's got to be a milestone for a C-sharp guy getting comfortable with JavaScript is you use TypeScript so your typing surrounding you all the time. And then eventually it's like, okay, okay, you can take the training wheels off now. I'm willing to be dynamic. Exactly. And, and that happened to me as well. I, mean, I remember very recently I was writing some code and I'm like, I want this to be dynamic. Oh, I'll just make an any and it'll do what I want. <laughs> it's like, yes. There you go. But I, that's the magic statement. I want this to be dynamic. I'm not dreading dynamic anymore. Exactly. You think that uh, a lot of JavaScript developers like having the, um, you know, the typing of TypeScript, or do you find that you know somebody who's 
only written dynamic languages all their life, you know, it's foreign to them. It might be foreign to them. I think it would be more suited towards developers that have lived within IDEs sure. their entire career, right? If you're writing code in, in Notepad++ or something, one of those editors, you don't really get a lot of the, the built-in features that Visual Studio gives you. For people like me that have lived in Visual Studio for 12 years now, I'm so used to that crutch of IntelliSense and, and compile time, if you will. So for, for people like me, I think it's, it's, it's very helpful and it will help you make that leap. Yeah, I hate to even call Studio a crutch. It's my warm, happy place. It is. It is. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I watch people coding outside of it and it's, they do a good job in it. But man, I, I don't want to relearn everything, right? And that's one of the, another one of the great things with TypeScript and all the new stuff they're adding to Visual Studio 12, especially in this most recent release, is there's just so much in there for a web developer to make life easy. So what, if, what are some of the things you've learned you know, uh, and been able to carry forward moving from XAML to HTML5? Well, one of the things, I guess, is the MVVM pattern, right? When you're, when you're a XAML developer, uh, if you're not using the MVVM pattern, you could argue you're doing it wrong, right? Everything should be done right. through binding. Everything should be done through loose coupling. Mm-hmm. And with the, the prevalence now of Knockout and Angular and other MVVM-style libraries in JavaScript, you can take that knowledge of how binding engines work and how this loose coupling between your view and your view model work and you can transfer that almost one to one over to HTML. Yeah. And it just works, right? In fact, you know, I just released a Pluralsight video on HTML for the XAML developer where I illustrate that to a fault, right? That's what the whole point of the, the course is. Here's how you as a XAML developer can do something. Here's how you do it in HTML. And your skills just transfer. Syntax change and sometimes the quirks change. But being able to go, you know what, I have a button and I'm just going to bind it to something in the background and it just works. Or I have a text box and I'm just going to bind it to a property and update it and it just works. Right? That's just awesome because I don't have to relearn everything I've just, you know, I don't have to relearn everything I've been spending three years learning. I can just transfer that almost seamlessly. Nice. And I've uh, linked to that Pluralsight course. It's HTML for the XAML developer. And if you go to tinyurl.com slash DWXAML, D-W-X-A-M-L, that'll get you there. Looks great. Thanks. It's been a blast. I, it's my first foray into it. I'm hooked. Got another one in the pipeline and hopefully a third one after that. So the new one is what? Knockout JS for the XAML developer? It is. It is. It's going to be completely devoted to Knockout and going deep into Knockout. I use Knockout in the HTML one, but I didn't dive deep into it. Yeah. Um, this one I am. And then hopefully the next one I'll do is more CSS for the XAML developer. And Knockout's role is to sort of bring binding to HTML the same way that uh, XAML has it? Not only binding, but you know how you can, in XAML, you can use styles and converters and things of that nature. You know, you can do the same thing in Knockout, not one-to-one, mm. but you can get the same end result. So it's, it's how to do that. Cool. You know, as a XAML developer, I know how to do, you know, style converters. I know how to change the style of an element based on data bound to my view model. How do I accomplish that same thing using Knockout? Right. Powerful stuff. It, I mean, bit by bit, it feels like, I mean, you keep calling them XAML developers, but let's face it, it's more like that. this is a home for old Silverlight developers. 
It is. It is. And that's been the the statements that people have told me is, thank you. I need to figure out how to make that jump because the jobs for Silverlight and the jobs for WPF and XAML-based developers are still going to be there for the foreseeable future. But right. it's going to be not COBOL-ish, but mm. let's say VB6-ish where it's going to start dying off eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, the company I left a little while ago was making the transition from Silverlight to HTML because Silverlight's dead, right? Why would we build new products going forward in a technology that's effectively on a ventilator and then we have 10 years of support, mind you? Yeah, you know, I, I'm just not so sure. I, 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 would you rather develop, if you had to develop a, an app in Windows Forms, which, by the way, is the most popular platform for .NET, Yes. If you Still. had to you develop an app for, you know, for for uh, for Windows internally behind the firewall, would you use Windows Forms or would you use Silverlight? I'd use Silverlight. I'd probably use WPF, but just to to give the full power. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, you ha- you you bring up a good point. Internal apps, corporate applications, there's still a need for it. But I think that even the buzz of HTML is starting to take over the corporate level. Yeah, it is. It's I just love to. that we each have different answers because I'm telling you, I do it in WinForms. Guys, you got to take WinForms out for a spin again. You've forgotten yeah. just how nice it is to build a form that just works. Yeah, it's you true. Know, the, admittedly, in Studio 2012, the XAML designer is way better. The WinForms designer is still the best. But Win- Windows Forms is still sort of putting you in that code behind mode. You know, you have to do a little bit of work in order to get the level of separation that XAML just gives yes. you. And, you know, whether whether I'm thinking WPF or Silverlight, the reason I would choose Silverlight is because, first of all, the with P-Invoke support, you can pretty much do all that stuff unless you're doing anything that's graphics or processor intensive. I'm talking about for business apps, which is where the Windows Forms uh, apps are being written and still shining. The, the 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 benefit is, of course, the distribution model is just so drop dead easy. Yeah, easier than you, WPF, easier to update, easier to maintain. Um, it is for the most part, although click once gives you a really simple deployment mechanism. It's easier than click once. It just is. It is. It's but not drastically. You know, one of the issues I've always run into with Silverlight is the zap getting cached in the browser. And yeah. that's an easily solvable problem, Control but it's F5. still a problem. <laughs> yeah. But you got to tell your users to do that. Hey, I just uploaded a new version of our app, but the user's experiencing the same bugs. Yeah, yeah. Well, now they're unhappy. It's an easily solvable problem by just renaming the Zap per se. Sure. Um, but it, they all have problems. But I agree with you that Silverlight is probably the simplest of the three if we're not talking pure browser HTML. I think it's just that what we use it for has changed. And, you know, what we wanted to use it for was the right once run anywhere platform of the world. You know, that's what we were sold. Right. And I think there's just that reality check, that disappointment that, ah, you know, Apple changed that for us. Yes. And I do think another bit of this that you guys have both sort of commented on, and I want to bring it back to it, is we like the MVVM pattern. Love it. And these tools let you really get a good separation of concerns. Yeah. Sure. Show enough. You know, I, I hate to tell you, I still like WinForms. I love, you know, Telerik put out a skin for the WinForms controls to make them look like Metro. Yeah, But true. you can't get that separation. You have to resist code behind. It's, you know, they, it's certainly not, I, after 
spending time in Silverlight, spending time with XAML to go back to wind farms. I'm like, wow, look how fast I can create a form. And then, ew, look at the coupling in my code. Yeah, like, exactly. You just can't get that abstraction. Yeah. Not without major pain anyway. I can't remember the last time I opened a WinForms designer. It's funny, huh? You know, I got to <sighs> recommend to everyone, do it again. Just yeah. spend a little time and remind you, not that I think you should be building your apps that way, but to remind yourself, wow, how productive is this design? And fast, How quickly too. can you get a good-looking form together? Like the last time we did Windows Forms, think about the hardware we ran it on, you know, and the stuff that we yeah. were trying to get out of it. And and now and also you know we were concerned that the version of the .NET framework wasn't on it. Well, guess what? It's baked into Windows now, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, not that exactly. big a problem. In fact, if you run a Windows Forms app and quote, correct me if I'm wrong here, Richard, but if you run a Windows Forms app and you don't have the framework installed, the Bootstrapper is already there. It won't just give you a bad yep. message. It'll say this requires the .NET framework on Windows Seven anyway. Would you like to download it? Yeah. So and on Windows 8, it won't even do that. It'll just run because yeah, the framework's there. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, how many people are still running uh, XP? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're running. Oh, Windows oh, and, just, and just for the record, your VB6 app still runs in Windows 8. <laughs> VB6 runtime still there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. Something to think about. Yeah, I'm kind of terrified too. But you know. I, I, you, you guys poked at me twice here that I really appreciate, which is we expect to think in patterns now right. and we like MVVM. And as much as it's been fun to do this WinForm stuff, I, it just doesn't feel like maintainable code anymore. It never was maintainable code. <laughs> I'm with you. It was job security code. It still is technically. <laughs> There's still an abundance of WinForms code. I got a buddy of mine who's looking for a job and he's coming across quite a few and he actually is okay with that. He wouldn't mind doing Wimporns again. You know, the other abundant job I'm seeing out there these days, Java programmer jobs. Hmm. It's just kind of spooky and creepy. That's like, are we at this place now where, you know, people still have WinForm apps and they're looking for WinForm developers and they are getting rare. And now it looks like, Java sort of the same way. Is there just fewer Java programmers out there now that they're looking for people to maintain their Java apps? I got I got one for you guys. Tinyurl.com slash WFMVVM. MVVM implementation for Windows Forms. It's an article on C Sharp Corner. And uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. But he does lead you through the steps to make a Windows form app MVVM. Looks like a lot of goo. <laughs> and I haven't read it. However, uh, it looks it looks like I want to read it. Yeah, now I want to read it too, just to see, you know, could we really could we maintain our pattern integrity using this technology? Well, I don't want the show to be about Windows Forms, but uh, we did mm -hmm. sort of stumble into that. <laughs> Let's talk about VStrader. <laughs> sure. Um, we are building a platform for coaches. We're building a product where you, if you have a camera, you can video your athletes and the camera can be on your phone, of course, which is our target. It could be on an iPad or a, a Windows 8 device. Uh, it can just be a standard point-and-shoot video camera. And we're building a platform where coaches can take this video, shoot their athletes, after the fact, mark it up via Telestration, hence the be straighter, straight Telestration. Yeah. 
And we're building a community base around this so that a coach and athlete can connect to each other. And maybe the coach and athlete are on the, you know, already knew each other. Maybe the athlete discovers the coach and I can give you virtual training via video and I can help back up a little bit. Telestration is annotating and drawing on top of video. Correct. Like they do in football uh, games and stuff. Exactly. So we can break that video down frame by frame and, if you want to talk about an athlete's footwork or shoulder placement or whatever the case may be, you can draw boxes and squares and, and angle uh, rectangles or, and lines and circles and you name it. And that just gets embedded right in the video. Exactly. We put all that back together with your audio. We put it back into a video format and you can watch it as if it was just there to begin with. And this is a WPF thing? What's the no, platform? Uh, right now we're on iOS. Uh, we have an Android product that's oh, yeah, going to be – going to be out soon. And then we have a website that uses Silverlight of all things. Huh. Um, the Silverlight component is because it's the only way we can get audio into our video in a non-plug-in manner. Right. Wow. Right? If it wasn't for that little pesky thing, we wouldn't be using Silverlight either. But we allow the users to upload the video from their mobile device onto our website, and they mm. can do the same thing whether it's on their mobile device or on the website. And really the goal is to help coaches and athletes connect and help coaches extend their reach when training athletes. Wow. Well, and you know, most athletes, you talk about the bulk of the athletes in the world, have no money. You know, with the exception of a few big-time sports, most athletes have no money at all. And most coaches work for nothing. So the I, you know, they they pretty much do it for their passion. So the fact that you can provide some automation so that more coaches can work with more of these athletes, really exciting. Yeah, we're building a platform that is going to, you know, right now it's free. So if you and a coach want to hook up, that's cool, right? Mm. You can go find yourself a coach and you can go find yourself an athlete and they can share video and you can upload them. And, you know, my soccer team, I coach soccer. I have two young boys. I'm going to use it for my team in the fall, right? They're on my team already. So I'm just going to kind of use it as an augmentation to our weekly practices. But parents love this stuff. I can get video sure. of, a, of a player kicking a ball and it takes me all of two minutes to to annotate this and to provide it back to them and say, hey, make sure he's putting the foot parallel to the ball as he's planting, not two feet behind it. What a great right? app sure- for touch too, huh? Oh, it's great. It's 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 really great. And our our we'd like to build a Windows 8 product. We're lobbying for that, but of course it's prioritization. Hey Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. How did you know it was time to use V-Strader to figure out why all my white shirts are attracted to spaghetti sauce? <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I'm happy the joke is back. Oh, we got to do make, it once in a while. You make me happy, Mr. Franklin. <laughs> no, no, no. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And before we do that, I got to tell you about Telerik's Kendo UI. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. And now Kendo UI comes with server-side wrappers for ASP.NET MVC, so you'll be able to produce awesome HTML5 apps powered by Kendo UI without being forced to write that pesky JavaScript stuff. Simply program on the server, and the Kendo UI wrappers will handle all the HTML and JavaScript. You'll have fun, and your boss will be amazed. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash D-O-T-N-E-T. 
to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 30-day trial with full support. Don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. So what are we giving away? Well, we're giving away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That's everything Telerik does in one box. And our winner today Including is, Kendo UI. Including Kendo UI. And our winner today is Alan Mills from Essex in the UK. Golf clap Woo-hoo. for Alan Mills. Boy, that's loud. Our awesome new golf clappers. Love for you. It's not bad over here. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com and click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members. Every show, we give away a DevCraft Complete Collection, and every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. And we'd like to ask our guest, Derek, if you had five grand to drop on technology toys right now, what would you buy? I would get a new TV. Um... TV? Get some more ta- I would. My TV, TV is about three. It's Sorry. three years old. It's three years old. I need a new one. All right. Um, I'd probably get some tablets so my kids can stop playing with my tablets. Uh-huh. And after nice. that, I want, a new, I want a new camera. So it'd probably oh. be a new Canon. So, so just really a sort of a technology upgrade for the Whitaker house. It would. It would. Um, my kids don't have a tablet. They love my Surface, but I get tired of having to ask for it back. Yeah. I have the same problem with my kids. You can't get off the surface. No, that's not you know, bad. It, for as much as people complain about Windows 8 and they thought it wasn't user-friendly, my four- and seven-year-old picked it up without a problem. Yeah, I think they got something there, really. It's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping that with Build coming up, there's going to be a new uh, RT device. Well, I just hope they fix the mail client. <laughs> you actually use that still? You know, no, I used I to hate Outlook. Then I use a different mail client. Yeah. Now I hate everybody. <laughs> yeah. I tried the mail client for a while, but I went back to Outlook. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other way to say that is uh, Outlook is the worst mail client ever, except compared to every other mail client. Hmm. 60 threads and not one of them for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to get back to this. I'm still I'm sure. thinking through what it's like to become an HTML developer after living in that C, happy C-sharp XAML world. Well, for developers jumping over, the one thing that really frustrated me was just the abundance of libraries. Right When you're in the, the C-sharp world, there's still a lot of libraries, but a lot of the stuff is just built in. Right When you jump into HTML, it's like, okay, let's go ahead and download Knockout. Let's go ahead and download jQuery. Oh, I need a date library. Let's go ahead and download Moment. Oh, I need UI stuff. Let's go find all those libraries I got to download. You know, you could easily download eight or 10 JavaScript libraries before you've done anything. That's intimidating. Well, isn't the scary part not knowing which one to get? Because there's like 15 libraries for each possible space you're thinking about. Exactly. And it's, I remember my last job, one of our developers was spinning up a little website for internal use only. And he's like, okay, so what do I have to do? And he hadn't written HTML or JavaScript code in years. And at this point, I'd only been back into it for maybe four or five months. But so I'm like, well, you need this, you need that, you need this, and you need that. Oh, but go set up your bundles. Oh, you got to make sure you download this, the, the, the appropriate CSS and you have all this set up correctly. And he just kind of looked at me like, what? That's just a lot kidding? of work. Right. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work and it really is. But once you kind of figure out how those things play together, it's not that bad. You know, uh, I, I did find that 
one of my biggest fears about jumping back into HTML was divs. I was an old table guy. I loved tables. It was easy. Right. It was simple. It just worked. Divs are the exact opposite, right? If you want divs to place exactly <laughs> the way you want, it takes a lot of thinking, right? Yeah. And I actually found that doing XAML layout helped me transition better, hmm. right? XAML doesn't hmm. have the concept of a div, but you still have to kind of think in placement and how things can stretch and move and rearrange themselves. And I really found that, oh, I can make that leap from, okay, margin in XAML and margin in HTML, they're similar. They're not exactly the same, but they're similar enough. I can make that leap, right? Um, still thrown by some of the stupid quirks of HTML. Like, how is it so hard to center text? I just want to center <laughs> text in a div. Should be the easiest thing in the world. Yes, and I always hear excuses. Oh, it's so difficult. The runtime is just like, hey, I don't care about the complexity. Just make it work. Yeah. Have you gotten so far as to actually get responsive web design to work? Um, no. And I haven't tried real hard yet. Um, that's the next frontier, if you will. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. No, write that down as a plural site video. I'd watch that. Responsive web design for the XAML developer. Yep. I need that too. I will... You know, that's on the list. Let's add that to the list of potential courses. You know, I'm trying to carve out the awesome. niche of for the XAML developer in Pluralsight because I think there is a huge demand for it. Sure is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's your imprint, right? That's my goal. Yeah, some people have for dummies. You have for XAML developers. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Are you to what are you saying, I, Richard? You, if you want to construe the two, that's your problem. I wasn't construing the two. I was talking about two different, you know, labels, so two different imprints. Uh, it's just kind of funny that you picked that to compare it to, right? Well, yeah, you it, it picked... had some alliteration to it. I guess so. <laughs> you know, some of the other stuff I found very useful was. I mean, I'm still learning CSS because that is a mind blow, right? Trying to understand. Yeah what real CSS can do is just overwhelming sometimes. And in particular, if you're not familiar with how these layers of CSS work and you, you're wondering why when you set a, you know, a property in a style on a div manually, that it's not actually overriding something, you know, that's when you start tearing your hair out. Yes. Trying to and figure out what up the chain is preventing you from doing what you want to do. And fortunately the tooling today you know, Chrome, I use Chrome religiously for my, my debugging. It's got really good mm -hmm. tooling and it, it helps you discover quicker. It doesn't always point to the root cause, but it helps you discover quicker, right? I remember way back in the early 2000s, I was doing HTML and that was back when there was no tooling. And I remember hating it, which is part of the reason I stayed away from it for so long was because I remember the pain and suffering I went through then thinking, well, it's going to be the same now, but reality is the tooling is so much better. Um, but I yeah. still turn to my, one of my other developers on my team all the time and say, hey, could you come show me what I'm doing wrong here? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. You know, it's normally, it's, it's hey, there's just, the div you're inside controls a style for that class. Like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, but I have found that if you understand the way styling and resources work in XAML, and how you can utilize them. Although they, they don't equate one-to-one -one or even close to it, there's enough knowledge transfer 
that you can take the same concepts that you would use in XAML and how you would apply styling to CSS. And it fast forwards you a little bit and it kind of gives you a little bit less of a hockey stick learning curve, if you will. Um, but the, the, the core concepts are so vastly different, you still have to understand the way CSS is intended to be used. Right. But it helps. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the feature list of active reports. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active reports from Component One. Smarter components for smarter developers. In some ways, HTML, because they've abstracted all the styling from it, it's structural. You understand it. It's just you know straight up old-fashioned markup. If there's anything to learn here, it's how you handle styling. Styling is the complicated bit. Yes, and if you apply three styles to an element, it depends on which order you apply them. Mm -hmm. could depend on how it looks. That's not confusing at all, anybody. Have you used Blend at all? I have. I'm not that great at it. I've not used it at all for HTML stuff. We used it for our Silverlight stuff. Right. Um, that is an immensely po powerful tool. Um, makes life so much easier. The animations and the transitions you can do in Blend and XAML if there was a tool that allowed you to do the same thing in HTML, that would be amazing to the same simplicity. I know Blend does some in HTML, right. but I don't think it's even near feature parity. Well, and part of this is, you know, Microsoft owns XAML, and so they built a great XAML editor, but I just don't think they put the same energy into making an HTML editor. Well, I'm not so sure that that's true. Have you guys worked with Blend for HTML? Minimally. Yeah, I mean, from what I hear, it sounds, it's, it's really great. I don't, uh, I don't use it myself, but this is just the the sort of the scuttlebutt that I hear along the along the road. And are we talking about Blend? Or are we talking about Expression Web? Uh, blend in twenty, the Blend that comes with twenty twelve, I believe, has support for it built in. Right. I don't know to what extent. Right. I think it's mostly geared towards HTML on the RT side. Yeah, it was an, I think Expression Web was um, was mothballed, wasn't it? Or it's made available for free, but they're not supporting it anymore. And the blend that comes with Visual Studio 2012, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's really just tailored to Metro apps. So anyway, I'd be interested to hear in, uh, you know, in what uh, designers people are using that are sort of Visual Studio blend-like for plain old HTML JavaScript. Send us an email. Leave us a comment. So Derek, what are XAML people going to miss moving over to HTML and JavaScript? Uh, they won't, I can tell you one thing they won't miss that's easier and quicker is they won't miss binding just not working and not telling you why. Mm. <laughs> In XAML, when your binding fails, you don't get a reason. It's really hard to debug. Now, you can attach the debugger now, but at least in HTML world, when something breaks, you pretty much know it instantly because the page won't render correctly. And you can look at the the console window and pretty much identify exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I. I think most XAML developers that jump over are going to have a hard time getting away from the strongly typing up front, yeah. right? If you if you yeah. do go the pure JavaScript route, I think you're going to miss that, and you're going to you're going to get a little frustrated, and you're going to have that 
that I don't understand how this is going to work, right? And they went through that same thing when they learned binding because when I first started learning the XAML binding engine, this whole idea that I have a view model with the property on it and it's loosely connected to my view and I can call that property, but they're not really connected except for by some magical binding engine, right? That's a hard thing to, to overcome. That's a big mental leap for a lot of developers. I think the idea of that dynamic and the idea that I can add something to an object and I can remove it from an object and I can change its meaning in JavaScript is really going to be difficult for them to, to, to grok and to really understand. But use TypeScript. It'll help you there, but it won't solve all your problems because TypeScript, I'm doing a talk at Matt Expo next month and it's uh, entitled TypeScript, the gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it's, it's, it's not pure JavaScript syntax, although it, it is ish, right? You can still do anything you can do in JavaScript and TypeScript. But it gives you just enough intro to, to JavaScript in your c sharpy syntax to go, wow, this is cool. Mm -hmm. I can do this. And then you go, oh, I really like this. And I really learned the power of it. And so I kind of liken it to the, the gateway drug, right? Kind of is going to get you hooked. And whether you stay in TypeScript your entire JavaScript career going forward or, or jump over to pure JavaScript, that's your own call. I, mm. I, I, I prefer to stay in TypeScript for the most part. Yeah. Okay, let's run down this set of tool, this sort of tool ensemble you've got in JavaScript now and HTML to replace Silverlight. So you talked about TypeScript, so we still get to play in our strong typing world. Knockout for binding. What are the other pieces? We still need jQuery and all of its associated libraries, right? If you want any type of uh, consistent UI or simple UI metaphor, we use Twitter Bootstrap. Mm -hmm. which is amazing, yeah. right? It's got a great bunch of, you know, predefined things for you. Um, dates are always a pain. So, you, you know, I'm always downloading moment, you know, from, from the word go. Um, bundling is always fun, right? So you got to learn bundling, right? That's something that XAML developer has no idea what that's all about, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it, by the way, it still causes issues, um, Probably the, the most important library I've come across from a C-sharp developer is I miss link. So having something like underscore in JavaScript helps you, right? Because link is, to me, probably one of the greatest language enhancements to the .NET framework ever. Absolutely. Right? The async sure. await stuff is awesome, but link is amazing. Mm. And I miss that coming out of the gate in JavaScript. But fortunately, underscore allows you to do a lot of it. Not exactly, but a lot of it. Um, so the JavaScript libraries, there's a lot of them, and I'm just touching the surface, right? I mean, do you want to go Angular in that whole suite? Do you want to go Backbone and do what it can do? You know, there's just, mm. there's just so many. It's just it's hard to, to narrow down, but we typically use jQuery, Knockout, um, Twitter Bootstrap as, as the core, and then add on as we need. Yeah, because there's a point where you're overlapping a lot of functionality and even conflicting around some of the functionality. Exactly. In some cases, they have the same functionality, the same method names. And you got to be careful which one you're using. And actually, right. TypeScript has found that a lot for me. You download TypeScript definition files, and you'll get a runtime error because Twitter Bootstrap defines something the same way as jQuery defines it. Right. So you got to be careful. Uh oh. Yes. Here's an interesting question for you. Do you ever see JavaScript sort of pulling away from the you know? Uh, standard sort of text editor crowd where you have to, you know, 
download the links and link up the tools and stuff like that and get sort of into a 4G kind of drag and drop, you, you know, UI builder where, you know, a lot of these details that we have to deal with as JavaScript developers now just sort of, you know, no, go away. And then your average JavaScript developer is, is that much more ignorant of those things. Do you ever see it morphing in that direction? I see people trying. I don't see it being terribly successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. with you. I mean, I think the the things that you can do in JavaScript and HTML and the UI perspective is so immense and such a hard problem to solve. How do you do it in an elegant way? Yeah, it's, that's true. And not only in an elegant way, but in a way that works everywhere and for everybody. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't see too many UI designers. You see CSS designers. Well, do people even use the HTML designers anymore? I mean, yeah, no, I exactly, and that's partly because it's a very hard problem to solve well because mm. it doesn't really look the way it's going to look. Right. But I think part of the problem also is it's sometimes just faster to code it by hand. Sure. You right. know, I used to work with a XAML developer that didn't use Blend because he could code the XAML to do animations faster than Blend could produce it in his mind. Huh. Right. So he just wow. removed the tool entirely. Yeah. Um, he had everything memorized. He was an amazing XAML developer. Um, I would just basically give him an ugly screen and say, could you fix this? <laughs> um, That's funny. Hey, learn to know what you're good at and what others are better at. He must have been using, uh, must have been using Code Rush or something. Uh, he he used Code Rush. He did. There you go. I called that one. <laughs> Nailed it. How did you know? <laughs> so what's next for you? I know you're working on all sorts of videos and books. You're you're writing some books here. Uh, no, just doing the video stuff right now. So I've got my plural site that came out a couple weeks ago. I have another one that should be out next month, which is Knockout for the XAML Developer. Right. I have a live lesson, which is a video series through Pearson Education. Oh, that's what I was thinking a book. I, I didn't yep. know what a live lesson was. What's that? Yeah, it's um, it's it's Pearson Education has a video series similar to Plural Site, um, but it's si similar in concept in terms of you're doing video recording screencast. Mm -hmm. Um, but their stuff is much longer in duration. You know, I did a Windows 8 for the XAML developer, or Windows, excuse me, Windows 8 for the C Sharp developer in XAML, and it was like nine hours of the content. Wow. So it was a very long series that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, that's in post-production right now. Jeez. I'm yeah, after that, it's just uh, I'm doing a, doing speaking, doing a lot more speaking this year. I heard you guys mention Bulgaria. I'm hoping to head over there as well. Awesome. So I'm hoping to get nice. selected for that. Have you submitted sessions? I did. I did. I submitted uh, three or four sessions, maybe two, three weeks ago. Got a response that they accept or received them. Now I'm just waiting for the response. Right. Um, but other than that, I, I'm really kind of getting addicted to the, the, the video sessions, right? I'm loving doing my Pluralsight stuff. Um, it keeps me entertained and keeps me active, which is always great. Certainly is fun. And it's a great way to reach a lot of people, a lot more than speaking, you know? It is. You know, speaking, you can do it. You know, I try to do about one user group a month, but that's an hour's worth of interaction with 50 to maybe 75 people. Right. You know, and your blogs are, I don't want to say dying, but they're definitely slowing down in terms of popularity. And these video sites are really taking off. And let's be honest, Pluralsight's got some amazing content. So they do. Be a, join it. It's $29 a month. 
become a member and you got 600-ish courses you can learn. And hey, we're not slowing down either. We had 30 million downloads last year. We're on track to have 40 this year. That's so, awesome. Yeah. we are. Uh, people are I, listening to us more than ever. I can't even imagine your bandwidth bill. It's, yeah, it's, it's up there. <laughs> Measured in terabytes. That's right. Wow. What do we have, 16 terabytes last year? Or a month last year, mm, something like that? No, I think it's over... I think it's over 20 now, buddy. Is it really? Good Lord. 20 terabytes yeah. a month. It's a lot of bits. Wow. It's a lot of bits. Well, it's just a great way to stay in touch with people and, uh, and, and for people to keep up with what's going on. Well, we have a great industry for that because we do what we do is really hard and it's always changing and it's impossible to keep up. Right. So if you're, if you're in a car, you can listen to a podcast like yourselves and others. If you're at home and you get a screen up, you can watch videos, mm. right? You have to continue to learn in our profession or you're going to be left behind. Yep, it's true. All right. Well, that's the show. Derek Whitaker, thank you very much for joining us here. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast, guys. It certainly has. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more about the podcast feeds, go to our website, at www website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.